0: raise a family and they have some of the same opportunities as my wife. You agreed that they are, we need
1: to see them as a terrorist organization. On
0: a private server, yes
1: or no. To love country, to love God, and to try to do the right thing. Worked for the nation and the interests of the people.
2: Hey, welcome back to the Fresh Freedom podcast uh, with the, uh, the freedom-loving freshman in Congress. I'm Josh Burkeen from Oklahoma, and today, uh, as typical, joined by uh, Eli Crane of Arizona, Uh, Andy Ogles uh, from Tennessee, and we have two special guests with us, Byron Donalds, a representative from Florida. He's a sophomore uh, member of Congress, and we also have Stephen Moore, um, who uh, many of you will will recognize Stephen from whether he, his time was an advisor to Trump or Reagan, uh, or even the contract with America uh, as an advisor uh, to many of the people that were making strong decisions for conservative values in 95, 96. I also know that he was a part of Cato uh, many, many years ago. And so we're delighted to have them. Um, so we've got a rising star in the conservative uh, movement with Byron Donalds. He's not afraid to tackle MSNBC and CNN. And, and then we've got uh, someone that uh, some of us have grown up respecting uh, with historic ties with Stephen Moore. So it'll be a great show. So I'm going to pitch the first question. Um, um, Stephen. Stephen. What got you engaged in conservative politics? You know, I was always
3: conservative from the time I was seven or eight years old. You know why? I hate people telling me what to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, that simple. Yeah, I, I just want to live free, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, I've always kind of questioned and resisted authority. And so, uh, and then of course, I started reading Milton Friedman and some of the great economic scholars and it just was this stuff is so obvious I don't why, why, do we, why doesn't everybody get it really, <laughs> right? I mean you look around the world everybody wants to come to the United States yes. we are the we are the greatest country ever we are the you know as Paul Johnson, one of the great historians who wrote a book that everybody should read called Modern Times about America and it, the last line of the book is really something very special he said America is the only um, successful, multi-ethnic, multicultural country in the history of civilization.
2: We truly are a melting pot that works. Byron, same question. What, when oh, and, and
4: what got you involved in the conservative movement? So it was definitely my career. I was in finance at the time. I was in, I started in banking, I was in insurance. So this is 2008, the financial collapse. And I'm, my company asked me to figure out what was going on in the economy because I had a banking background. And I turned on House Financial Services Committee here, never watched a congressional hearing, (laughs) never really watched cable news. Turned on that hearing and I was really upset because the members of Congress didn't know what they were talking about. (laughs) At the time, I'm 29 years old. I mean, I'm a little bit younger than when I figured it all out. And I'm like, these guys don't know what's going on. So, you know, it got got me mad. I started finding other sources to read on the internet and stuff like that. Came across a book called uh, The Law by Frederick Bastiat. Yeah. Great book. You bet. Read that one and I was just like, "Oh, wow, that that made sense to me." Legal theft. And then I uh, just started yeah, and I started thinking about those policies. Found Mil- Milton Friedman, found him, read yeah. stuff from him read some of the stuff that the framers were reading you know like second treatise of government you know stuff like that and i was just like oh this that's why our government is formed the way it is like all this makes sense and so from there pretty much realized i was conservative so can i say one thing about milton
3: friedman because i was i've been fortunate in my life to know a lot of famous people so i got to know milton friedman toward the uh, latter years of his life and this is really a good message for where you are right now are in Congress. So um, I remember one of the last dinners I had with him, we'd go up to San Francisco and he'd have, you know, seven or eight people and he and Rose, cause you know, Rose wrote a lot of those books with him. And anyway, so I remember one of the last dinners before he died, I asked him, you know, Milton, what are the three things that we need to do to increase economic growth? He said, move towards a flat tax, number 1 number 2 school choice he was a huge advocate of school mm-hmm. choice every child in america and number 3 you ready for this cut government spending yeah. and i remember i said well milton by how much and he said as much as is possibly can as much as he so can, you guys yeah. are in a you are in a virtuous fight right now mm-hmm. to Look, it's very simple. Government doesn't have a multiplier effect. It has a negative multiplier effect. Every time a government takes a dollar away from me, it actually shrinks the economy, it doesn't grow it. So I don't even know where this concept of like government spending being good for the economy. I mean, some government spending is necessary, of course, but it doesn't stimulate the economy. So economic growth comes from entrepreneurs and innovation and invention
2: and hard work. Eli, knows a little bit. talk about your business. Talk about the business that you had before you became a member of Congress.
0: Yeah, so thank you, Josh. Um, You're welcome. You know, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> it, we made uh, we made bottle opening great again. Honestly, You made what? We, we uh, made 50 caliber bottle openers. Really? Yeah. And it, so, yeah. We were wow. my He's a former my, Navy SEAL. My company was featured on the show Shark Tank. Have you ever seen that show? That, yeah. yeah. Of course so. I have. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Yes. so cool so yeah it was just cool because uh i didn't know how i was gonna transition out of the military a lot of veterans have a tough time with that and uh i found i thought when i was younger i was too stupid to be in business because i i thought all these you know business owners were just i don't know super bright intelligent people and what i what i realized was that business is about a lot of common sense it's about building relationships being able to problem solve um and be able to provide value for customers and i so i fell in love with entrepreneurship Mm. and started a couple small businesses Mm. but the one that actually landed um, was bottle breacher where we made all all of our products in the united states Um, we hired a lot Mm. of veterans and we made some really cool gifts that were personalizable Mm. usually out of uh you know military surplus gear so it was just cool because it, it taught me a lot it you know a lot of people out there i think have this idea about business owners that A lot of them are fat cats, you know, driving around in their fancy cars and whatnot. But I I don't think a lot of them, well, maybe that's not fair. I'm sure a lot of Americans either know a business owner or have someone in their family or are a business owner, but it's very hard work. And a lot of businesses struggle just to make ends meet. You're always the last one to get paid. You pay your employees first. And especially under this economy, they're struggling. And so it just really made me appreciate, um, you know, small business, but it was cool too because we made our products in the United States and that was something that a lot of businesses can't and won't do anymore. And just, we did that because we thought it was the right thing to do and we wanted to really provide value in our community and jobs. What, what uh, advice would you give
2: a group of freshmen um, uh, you, you lived through the 95, 96 contract with America. In fact, you're talking about books that you've read. There's a book that he wrote called restoring the dream page 217. I'm going to quote it. <laughs> he's promised me he's going to get me an updated version. Uh, this was after oh, yeah, the I contract with America. Numbers. And uh, if you go to P- page 217, he has a graph where he talks about in 1900, 60% of all tax collection and tax spend was, um, on the local level and only 20% was on the federal level. And by the time we got to the mid nineties, when he was writing the book, he updated it and said, we're at now 67% of tax collection is on the federal level and only 20% is on the local level. So from a, my little business, Rawhide are dirt works. Um, spending a day and a half trying to get Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and the Texas Department of Public Safety to say the same thing, so I can move a dozer and excavator down into Texas because I was starving for work in my little business. Um, it rained us out in Oklahoma for months, and you're in heavy equipment, you don't work when the, when the rain is, is on you. Like my father lost an excavator last week. Yeah. He lost an excavator. I'm wow. getting a video. It's, it's this entire you know 50,000 pound excavator is underwater? Could, couldn't get. It couldn't. It got stuck. Couldn't get it out. Yeah. Anyways, but people struggle to make a living in the free market, and yet you've got more government control. When you have more tax collection coming from the federal government, then that's where the bureaucrats come from, and that's why Washington DC reigns upon high in every decision we make is having to get permission from the federal government. What advice would you uh, give give us that are in this uh, fight for the future of liberty to secure the blessing of liberty? Uh, for ourselves and our well, posterity. to be successful
3: in Congress, because you know, as you know, you're one of four, each one of you are one of 435 people. So, yeah. how do you how do you stick out? How do you you know become prominent so that you can influence policy? And I really believe that the answer to that for each of you is become an expert on something. Mm-hmm. You know, bec- know more about some subject than anybody else. You know, I worked for Dick Armey back when he was a freshman in Congress, and he went on to become the majority leader and one of our great majority leaders uh, under Newt Gingrich, the speaker. And he did that. He just would he would get super smart and study so many issues, like he did the base closing commission, he did the flat tax, da, da, da. And so all of a sudden, he became a national figure and so that would be my advice to each of you is find an area of expertise and know more about it than any because in Washington knowledge is power.
2: Mm-hmm. Byron you were nominated uh, at the head of the year as a sophomore. Your name came up and uh, people thought enough of you to put your name up as a potential speaker candidate. Um, yeah, it's crazy, you, isn't it? You yeah, you, you, uh, you aren't afraid to go on CNN, uh, MSNBC, and debate uh, with the facts. To make.
4: You ask the key your doctor to, for everybody to understand is this. Hold on, here's the key thing you need to understand.
2: So what advice would you give us? You're only in your third, fourth year now. What, third year. Third year. Yeah. What advice would you give a, a, a group of us that are brand new, uh, given the, the ability for you to gain traction and influence and, and,
4: and to remain, remain a true conservative? Well, the first part is like you know, it's a little bit bit off of what Steve just said, like know your subject matter. Like you know it, but really get to the point where you can just fluidly talk about it with anybody. And the best people to do that are people who aren't really in politics. I think a lot of times we are so focused here on the Hill or we're in other meetings or you're traveling all the time and really just taking the temperature and having a conversation with a citizen who's just living their life is really clarifying. Because I think it's their perspective is the one you always gotta keep in the forefront of your mind. So know your subject matter, really understand where people are. And I think politically, people are always shifting. That's why pollsters make all this money and their advice is always like two or three months late because the opinions and the viewpoints and the ideas of people are always shifting in our country. So you really gotta have a a pulse and an understanding for that. Last piece I would say is just don't be afraid. At the end of the day, you know, the cameras and the lights, they're not gonna get you. Right. What will get mm-hmm. you is if you're concerned about the next statement you're gonna make. Mm-hmm. If you know the subject and you've talked with people, telling a pundit is the easy part.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that and the piece of advice you had for Andy, not to fly
4: with in his suit. Right? Oh yeah, that's the last piece, don't <laughs> fly in your suit. When you fly, get out of this thing. <laughs> he look, he looks, is. this is very professional, by the way. It like is. You. Don't yeah. fly like this, right. be a yeah. normal
1: person. Yeah. Just go through the airport and Please just minute. listen. Got off the plane, had a meeting, had to wear my suit. But I mean, I think uh, from a <laughs> do, you pos- to, do you want to you want to on this conversation you had on the airplane?
2: So people, I mean, this is behind the scenes, people to kind of yeah, see right. what members of Congress deal deal with.
1: Well, this is uh, so I mean, I just sit on the airplane, mind my own business, and a lady who uh, w- would not be someone who would vote for me was uh, she, I, she was polite, so I'll give her that. Just but you know, basically, um, you know opposed my position to be pro-Second Amendment and then strongly encouraged me to vote to ban assault weapons. And I was very polite in return. I said, I'll take a look at the bill and you know, I didn't get into a debate. I just acknowledged her position, uh, acknowledged the fact that I would take a look at it. She recognized you. She uh, recognized that
2: you were a member of Congress.
1: I was a very outspoken mayor prior to... um, Kidding. uh, You're kidding. uh, You were outspoken? Yeah, right. (laughs) And so I... I, I, What town? so i was the the county executive or county judge for uh, a county south of nashville okay. a fastest growing county in the state uh, number one for job creation and uh, economic growth so i was in in the center of a lot very outspoken during COVID, i refused to comply with anything and so i'm a familiar face uh, in middle tennessee for better or worse which is why i think i want an r5 district by 14 is because you know you might even have folks that disagree with me on some policy issues, but they know I'm going to come up here and fight right. for the right thing. And ultimately, I'm going to land on the Constitution and what does the law say versus rhetoric. And, and to that point, when you look at the debt ceiling fight, I mean, I think from from a policy standpoint, you know, Europe has America envy. Russia is keeping up with the Jones Joneses. They aspire to be the United States. China wants to displace us as the lone superpower. So why would we do anything? That makes us more like our enemies. So true. Like leaning towards green energy, it's BS. The future of America is in oil, natural gas, nuclear. Period. You're not going to win wars, and as the world's, whether you like it or not, police, we're not going to win wars with uh, solar panels strapped to our butts. Mm -hmm. All right. It's. Wars were driven by oil and gas. They're always going to be driven by oil and they gas. They wouldn't catch
2: the sunlight strap there. and just. <laughs> <remember that.
1: laughs> right. And so, but that being said, it's like, and so for us to be more like Europe, Europe, by the way, who's running away from the green energy. And so why would we replicate their mistakes? It's foolish. It's nonsense. And this bill that the house, uh, house Republicans that we helped pass, we should hold the line. We should not give an inch. And for every, for every dollar increase that they want in the debt ceiling above the house bill, there's a cost to be associated with that. So if you want to raise the debt ceiling more than that, then maybe we want the border bill that we passed. If you want to increase the timeline, then maybe we want the RAINS Act. I mean, this, this is a weighted equation. So if you want more than $1.5 trillion, if you want more than the first quarter of next year, it's going to cost something. And then we're doing this for the American people. We're doing this for the future of America. And we've got the, the, the fiscal high ground here. It's not even
0: that you can't, just can't win wars, though. I mean, right? I mean, that's important. It's a national security issue, national but security. the technology's not even there. Right. These, yeah. these folks on the other side of the aisle are acting as if we're 50 years ahead in technology and it's just not there. The infrastructure's not there to support it. And it's just, it's asinine and it's going to, it's going to destroy our economy. It, you know, and it's just, it's scary what's going on up here, but it, it kind of, you see it, not just with energy, you see it at the border, you see it in these inner cities with crime. And it's just like, you know, I've heard conservatives talk about it a couple couple ways. Are they trying to destroy it
4: or are they completely ignorant or is it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both actually. Seriously, I I, I totally think it is. Look, you know, our good friend, Chip Roy, he just said it um, in a meeting we were all just in, that, you know, these Green New Deal subsidies that Joe Biden wants to hang on to for dear life, who does that go to? It's not going to, to, to poor black families in Philadelphia or Chicago. That stuff's going to the elite of the elites right. in San Francisco and in New York and in Los Angeles. They're the ones that are going to get all this money. They're going to make billions of dollars using tax tax subsidies from the United States government for technology and for an energy system that doesn't even work. Right. It doesn't work consistently enough. Everything's cool. You know, when it's. 65 degrees and you know, you have nothing going on, but what happens when it gets cold? Yeah. What happens when it gets hot? You don't have enough electricity on the grid. So I think it's by design. I think it's also a part of look We have people in our country in my view Who are sold out to the Chinese? Oh, yeah, they've been in business in cahoots with them for a long time mm-hmm. And as far as they're concerned, hey, man, it's cool if we source uh, minerals from China I'm gonna make my money on both sides of the trade and in their minds, that's a good thing for everybody, but it's not good for the future of the country, especially when you're empowering your greatest rival yeah. on the globe, because you're empowering them by doing that amount of business with them that's tied to your electric grid, your energy basis. I think, Steve, I think I, I've heard you say it. Your energy grid, your, your energy supply is the lifeblood of your economy. You don't have a society if you can't generate energy, and you don't have a society if you don't have a stable economy. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, the Ener- Energy Information Administration uh, says that by the Inflation Reduction Act and all the, the uh, tax subsidization that was it part of that bill that, the, that Biden advocated and got passed several years ago, a year ago, that um, it will lead to, by 2050, 60% of all of our energy is going to be wind and solar. Okay. And so right now, uh, it's only it's less than 15%. And what we're talking about is, is in this debt ceiling discussion that's happening, is the Republican conference advocated not only going back to 2022 spending levels, the bill we passed, but also clawing that back. That Goldman Sachs talks about that if we don't claw it back, it's going to be a 1.2 plus trillion dollar economic impact to us. Um, it's no small thing. It's massive. 1.2 trillion.
4: Trillion. Negative impact. Oh. Negative. <laughs> so, actually, that hold on. That up. To, the, to, you, to that point you just made, this is important. <laughs> the Democrats have been screaming bloody murder since the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was passed. And the line that they all say, which is all, was also wrong, but they keep <laughs> saying is, those Trump tax cuts, they cost us $2 trillion on the deficit. By the way, we've raised more tax revenue than anybody predicted we were going to, so that's not true. But they are more than willing. To give 1.2 trillion in tax subsidies yeah. to the very rich and to these Green New Deal companies that are all their friends, all their political friends, and we know it's going to cost us at least 1.2 trillion and more when you factor in the economic, the economic impact of not having enough consistent, viable energy on you our. You know what's radar.
3: really frustrating about this because you all are you know, pretty new to Congress, but you r- may recall that this is just an instant replay of what Barack Obama did. All Obama is doing is- Well, yeah. he I mean, Biden's just added an extra zero to all the spending. But do you remember Solyndra? Do you remember Fisker? I mean, we subsidized all of these green energy programs and 80% of
1: them went bankrupt. I, I guarantee you that'll happen again. Well, one of my first pieces of legislation was the Inflation Reduction Act of 2023, which repealed Biden's <laughs> Inflation did. Reduction Act of You got to shout I out the it. State of the
2: Union over that deal, if I, I remember did. correctly. That's right. That yeah. passed off the floor. Um, tell us something that, uh, that, Byron, you never thought would happen as a member of Congress. Tell us something that, that's happened in your three years now up here that uh, you, you never uh, would have thought would have happened somebody would vote for you to be speaker?
4: Yeah, I, I, you know, you're right about that one. That's, right. that's a good one, because I never thought that was gonna happen. Dang, I didn't come here to do that. Um, to be honest, this place is exactly what I've heard it was and what I thought it was gonna be. And, I, and that's really sad. Um, you know, I've had members of Congress that I talked to before I came here. And what they all said this place is, it actually is. I, I think the bright spot for me, that has shocked me, is that there are more members in the Republican conference now who are basically like, no, we're done with this. Right. And, and it's more than Freedom Caucus members. I, I yeah. wanna say that it's more right. than just Freedom Caucus members. Um, right. I think when the Tea Party guys came up here in 10, that first year, what was it? What was it, Steve? 15 of them, basically, come in a maybe lot, maybe more, were a lot of yeah, them, a lot. but the, the ones that stuck around and stayed yeah, in the right. fight, it ended up being like 15, 20, maybe 25 at the most. Um, they came into a town trying to change it, a town that looked at them like, what are you talking about? And so now you have like, you know, you guys coming in, my class that came in, the class before me, some of those guys, et cetera. Um, It's adding more members into the conference who are like, you know what? No, this this is different. Like, you know, the the debt ceiling bill we passed, and I know we have colleagues who were like, we needed to do more, and I respect it totally. I do, because we need to do more. Mm. I was talking to some of the older guys who have been around here for a while, and they were like, we never in our wildest dreams ever thought the House would pass something like this. It's not just because of the four of us. That's because of the work Steve's been doing for years, just the work of other people who've come to join that battle to save
1: the country. I'm, I'm, that's really been the benefit thing that surprised me more. Yeah, no, that's good. I think to Byron's point, I had a member, you know, after we passed you know our debt ceiling plan, uh, a member that had been here maybe 12 years at this point came up to came up to me, there was a group of the Freedom Caucus, and, the, and uh, he said that that was the most, in his decade plus of being in Congress, that was the most significant vote he had I ever believe, taken. I believe that's true. Because they Congress has never, the House has never done anything like yeah. that. So it was a historic piece of legislation. And I think the Biden administration is on their heels because they didn't think that we would remain united, that we'd be united front. Because you have, you know, the very conservative of us. And you have some some that are less conservative. But we came together with a plan and we're executing a mission on behalf of the American people. It's
2: interesting, Stephen. You, I mean, 30 and 40, and I won't go any further years of experience
1: <laughs> of, of watching. A few. Um
2: And for you to be nodding your head and, and to think that what's been accomplished in these first six months has you know, been paramount. Uh, that makes me feel good as a guy who came up yeah. here wanting to make a difference. So can you speak to that? and yeah. and fact, how do we, I mean,
3: I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'd say... That was one of the most significant votes that I've seen in the House. I mean, obviously, it was the Trump tax cuts, and there was the Reagan tax cuts, and some of the excuse me, some of the votes, you know, <clears throat> back in nineteen ninety five, when you know we we did a lot. I mean, when you get that power, I think you just have to you have to use it, you because know, the window, slams shut pretty quickly. But I, I'm really proud of how unified you are. I was thinking about what Byron is saying. There's an old saying, because I want to warn you all this. The saying is, you know, a lot of people come to Washington. To drain the swamp, and then they realize it's a hot tub. Yeah. So I don't want any. I don't want to see any of you in the hot tub. Okay. Right. And there's another saying about this. It's so true too. And it's most people come to Washington to do good, mm. and they end up doing well. And um, mm. so I don't want you to fall privy to that. I mean, mm. people come to oh, town. I'm going to change everything, and then they, you know, then the next thing you know, they're making millions of dollars as a, you know, a contractor or something like that. So stay true. To your principles,
2: so good. So, how would you how would you advise uh, three uh, <laughs> younger members in terms of experience? Uh, one who's got a few more years of experience. How would you advise us to make sure that the um, that the ick doesn't get uh, on us? Is that the way ick that's Southeast Oklahoma for the stink. The stink. Uh, I mean, and that's the technical
4: that's phrase good,
3: for it. I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I've seen some of the best people come with the best intentions and just get sucked in mm-hmm. to the to the you know seduction of Washington power, even even Republicans. So, I my prayer is that you all don't you know succumb to that. Remember why you came here.
4: Yeah. But what do you think it is? What do you think? What do you think holds you to your core? Go to where? Home. Go ahead. Go home. Yeah. Go home. Don't stay here. Yeah, right. The second we're done voting, I'm on the first thing smoking. I try to spend as little time in Washington as possible. Amen. And like um the other thing is people who were around you before politics do you still talk to them like you got to have like one or two right. people who knew you before you yeah, were congress before you, you know you're looking like ogles walking through the airport <laughs> you know you got to have like you got to have like two or two well, you know, one or two people who who know you yeah. who are still engaged okay. and involved with you who don't care about that pen, because yeah. they know who you are and I think that's, that's kind of the way you kind of keep.
3: Having a wife to do that helps yeah. a lot, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. right.
4: yeah. <laughs> keep your ground yeah, you, you need that, your but point. you're going to need somebody else. You're going to need somebody else. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? Look, it's just the reality because it's, it's hard. You guys are going to start seeing this. The travel picks up. Mm. You're away from home a lot. Right. When you come home, you really try to dive back into your family yeah. and also trying to recoup. And and then your your people at home want you to go, you gotta go see these people, you gotta see these people, these people wanna see you. So you're scrambling all the time. So having somebody who knew you before that's involved with you on a day-to-day basis Man, that's, they keep you grounded. So we've got a problem
2: in America where we're, we're short-term focused. There's a study in, in 1965 that Stanford University did, and, and uh, they took a group of four-year-olds, they put a marshmallow in front of each one of them, and said, if you don't eat the marshmallow, we're gonna come back and give you something better. And out of 600 young adults, they did this study, um, they wrote a book about it called emotional intelligence. 200 of those were able to withstand the instant gratification of not taking the marshmallow and eating it and waiting until something better was given to them. They watched them 15, 20 years from then. And they noticed that same characteristic stayed with them because they were, those 200 were or 200 points higher on their SAT score than the other 400. You mean the ones who waited. The ones who waited, who delayed instant gratification. Who who had impulse control. And and (laughs) so I bring it up to say, we're a country right now that You know, democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government can only exist until people discover they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury. And we are become so short sighted that we've got so many people that are receiving some form of benefit that everyone's for cutting government until it's, well, 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 but not that. And so the sum total is the pressure for back home for many people who don't have their identity in God, who have their identity in the praise of man, they won't make the hard choices because that's where they get their identity, their structure from. So how do we change this? How do we turn... How do we turn such a, 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 problem that's a cultural problem around on its head? You've been around for 30 and 40 years um, and you've got a different aspect from Florida than I will from Oklahoma. So I'd like to hear from both of you guys and you know, those, how are we going to change this to get people to want to let go of the largesse and say, I'm willing to put my country's best interest ahead of my own self-interest. Um, I'll answer that I'll
3: take a first swing at it. Um, I, I think a real theme that we as conservatives need to pursue is a new patriotism,
1: mm.
3: a new patriotism. This is the greatest country in the Yes, we had slavery. Yes, we've had problems, blah, 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 blah. But nobody's perfect, right? But um, this is a great, the left, I mean, you have to deal. it. I don't think they actually believe, as Reagan said, that it was divine providence that put here, America here is a beacon of freedom for the rest of the world. You all believe that, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. they don't. Shining so, city on the hill. Yeah, uh, you know, the, we are a shining city, and kids are not being taught about the greatness of America in the schools today. In fact, they're being taught the opposite. We're responsible for all the problems in the world. Do you think the Chinese teach their kids that? Do you think the Russians teach their kids that? I mean, what country does that? We're gonna rot from within if we keep you know, turning out kids that can't read diplomas and don't understand their own country. I don't, know, I don't know if you all agree with that or not, but I feel pretty passionately about it.
2: Byron, how do we get people to be long-term focused on the future of our nation, not short-term to here and now?
4: I mean, I agree with that. You know, we're not really educating kids to understand that they, by virtue of being born here, they have the golden ticket from Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yep. Like, they got the golden ticket here <laughs> yeah, in the United <laughs> <laughs> States. Like, I don't, listen, you can talk about race, you can talk about economic status. Being born here, you have the ability to rise and to thrive Compared to a child in another country, it's not even close. So I think that's that's one. The second piece is going to be is going to be leadership. Like I think you're going to have you you need a crop of leaders who are willing to stand in that gap and say if this if the great experiment that man has ever known is going to continue, it's going to require us to make sacrifices to continue it. Everybody's got to get in on this one, and we have to get back to just first things being first. let's do the things that work. Let's do what makes sense. Let's get the country mobile and moving. But that takes leadership. And you guys are already seeing up here. I want to do it, but I'm not sure how this is going to be how how this is going to play at home. I'm not sure what the message is going to look that I might get beat up for this. And you have to be willing to do the right thing and then go home and say, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Mm, good point. And that's leadership. Uh, last, I'm gonna let you go, Eli. A friend of mine told me a long time ago, he goes, there's two forms of leadership. So the first form of leadership is the person that jumps into a, in the front of a parade when it's already going down the street. That's Joe Biden. And frankly, that's most people up here in DC. The second form of leadership is taking people to a place they would have not have gotten to on their own. Good point. And that's the leadership we're gonna need.
2: What do you think? How do, we, how do we get people to think long-term about saving our country? Well,
1: going back to Milton and what Stephen was saying, you know, rules for radicals. Uh, you know, the left learned really quickly if they could commandeer the schools, if they can change the generations, whether they in have. pre-K and K and elementary, they've changed our country. And so I think it's two-pronged. One, you know, meanwhile, we, we mind, mind our fiscal house best we can. But we've got to get the the Federal Department of Education. We've got to push education back to the states where parents have more contact with their state reps and their state senators. That's how we win back America. So we can teach patriotism. You you can also
2: deal with the hypersexualized culture in the classroom if you let the states have more control, can't you?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, the states have to run education. I mean, look, I'm very conservative. If you're from San Francisco, you don't want some redneck from Tennessee telling you how to run your classroom. You just don't. And guess what? I don't want some liberal from San Francisco telling... Mm -hmm my family, how we should teach our kids, right? I want to keep D.C. and all the liberal states out of Tennessee. It's that simple. Uh, we're a Republican, a free state, and if California wants to be liberal and fail, that's up to them. I'm not going to subsidize it, right? Tennessee has the right to be conservative. Tennessee has the right to be Christian. Tennessee has the right to run its own business. That's why we've got to hold the line as conservatives, but we've got to get our children back, and it goes back to school choice. You got second to last word, then we'll land the plane.
0: Yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, byron talked about a little bit of it courage is contagious we lead by example um and often other people want to step up and you know be like be like that be strong and courageous but then i think we also got to champion organizations like turning point usa and others that have gone into the lions then you know right they're they're right there in arizona where i'm from and i think a lot of conservatives and republicans abandoned education a long time ago because we thought it was lost we thought it was a battlefield a, that was too far mm-hmm. those guys went into the lion's den and they started taking back ground and mm-hmm. so you see a lot of these activist groups like moms for liberty you know and and other groups like that that are actually waging war you know for our little kids we need to champion tho- those folks and we need to be courageous up here and continue to sacrifice because this job is a sacrifice man it really is um
2: abraham lincoln quote um the philosophy in the schoolroom in one generation will be the governing philosophy in the next. And so to, to turn our culture, knowing that politics is downstream of culture, we've got to have moms, dads, pastors, Fleming in the pulpits um, to be able to drive people back to that shining city on the hill that was a fabric. Of uh, uh, biblical morality and constitutional adherence, and uh, whether it's turning point or for a generation like mine, it was wall builders uh, knowing what the Constitution says, becoming an informed citizen, so you can stand up and say, "Look, our founders intended for a limited government. They didn't mean small, but they intended limited government. 18 things, and then the states. To your point, Andy, to be left with so many other." factors, but we've so turned it upside down. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us. That is the all for uh, episode five of the Fresh Freedom podcast. Um, If you'd like to submit an audience question, click the link in the description below, and it might get asked in a future episode. And we'll see you next time on the Fresh Freedom podcast. Thanks to our guests. Thank you, guys.